As we watch the game, we get used to a style of play and a style of player. And then that generational player comes along and changes everything. Tracy McGrady was exactly that. A combination of athleticism, skill, creativity, and competitiveness. There was no one like T-Mac on the basketball court. A generational player himself, Penny and T-Mac reflect each other right down to the number on the jersey. As T-Mac tells Penny, he was the player he watched and studied coming up. On Penny's end, it's all love and respect for T-Mac's game. The two share thoughts on having the mentality to take over games, which as we find out, comes from unseen work and dedication. Now they're both at a point of perspective with eyes on the next generational players they see themselves in. And as we find out, watching for the guys that live and breathe it while looking to push the game forward. It's a very special edition of the Two Cents Podcast, one you're gonna love, as always. So here it is, Penny and T-Mac. Remember, subscribe wherever you get your podcast for every episode of the Two Cents Podcast as soon as they drop. <laughs> I was thinking about when I came to your house, bro, first of all, going to the game, watching you put it down in the yeah. playoffs against Miami. Yeah. And to go to your house and you answer the door and I see my idol, bro, I'm like, I, I didn't know what to say, bro. Like that, I will always remember that, man, and, and how I felt in that particular moment, man. And, you know, that right there was just the start of a great friendship. Because I then when I got drafted, I could call you throughout the seasons and have conversations with you, and you always answer my call, man. And, you know, I'm forever grateful for that, you know. Yeah, no, man, I, I definitely appreciate it, man. Honestly, just it's just that that history a lot of people never even knew about. And then also for you to come to Orlando and put it down with the number one on, you killed it for sure. You, you took care of business. And then for people to put us together, not in a negative way, but a great way, like they're telling their kids, hey, man, Penny Hardaway and Tracy McGrady, these taller guards are trying to be like us. And for us to meet way back when. Right. And then to be now, man, God has been good to both of us, man. Bro, I, I, I mistakenly get identified as you. So I do too. One guy just came up to me the other day. It was crazy. If, if, if I'm called any, they mistake me for anybody else. I'm furious. But no, when, they, when, they, when they mistake me for a penny, I'll be like, that's my brother. But nah, I'm T-Mac, bro. My man had your shoes on and he was like, I got your shoes on. I looked down to see my shoe and it was the Adidas with the one. I was like, oh, he think I'm Mac. You know what I mean? So it's it's crazy, bro. I ain't gonna lie, but that's a blessing, though, for sure. But like we talked about in the beginning, meeting you when you were in high school, you made the jump. Talk about making the jump, making the decision to make the jump from high school right to the NBA. Yeah, so, man, you know, I, I go back to my junior year, man, and, um, you know, growing up in Central Florida, and, you know, I was pretty damn good at that time, well-known in my area. But outside of, you know, that that radius, outside of Central Florida, nobody really knew who I was. So getting the opportunity to go to the Adidas camp, make a name for myself mm -hmm. and getting invited on that stage, you know, against the elite high school guys in the country, which I've never participated on anything like that. So my first outing is like that was opportunity to, to really gain that exposure. And I was ready for it. And from that point on, everything just took off for me. Right. Then I started hearing these rumblings my senior year that I could potentially be uh, a, a lottery pick. And I'm like, damn. So I started believing in myself. It was hard for me to believe in the beginning, 
But as a, you know, I prolonged my senior year and I saw more and more NBA scouts showing up at my game. I was like, this is real. And, you know, I started believing it and started working extremely hard to prepare myself for, for that jump. And, uh, you know, made it happen. Had a, a really, really tough rookie season with the coach that I had just not believing in me and giving me that structure that I need to, you know, understand the NBA game and succeed. Um, so it was really a struggle. But once we fired him in that that first half of the season, Butch Carter took over, gave me structure and gave me, you know, things I needed to look forward to in order to get some minutes. Like I had to work to get some, some minutes. And once I, 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 you know, really understood that, Everything else was was it was just great because I mean I, I know I could play you know what I mean they wouldn't have drafted me number nine overall if I couldn't play so I knew that I just needed some structure. Yeah, no, that was all that's all special, man, because that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, they don't allow you know guys to come out of high school right away, but guys did understand your talent level and that you belong. And in the beginning of the season, adversity hit you really hard, and that's what I was going to ask you about the adjustments that you had to make going from you know this major player in high school and then going to the NBA to your dream and then all of a sudden having this big letdown. You're not in the country. You're in Canada on top of that, and you're not in the States. That's a long way from, you know, being in Central Florida, being in Toronto, Canada. Oh, man. Like, even even being in Toronto where the legal age is 19, I still wasn't legal <laughs> to go and hang out. Golly. Even more so just the, the culture, you know what I mean, coming from Central Florida – you know, sunny, sunny Florida, and then you're going to Toronto where it's below zero. Like that adjustment alone was was tough, man. Um, but then you're playing in a in a country where it's dominated by hockey at the time, right? So right. we're trying to make that adjustment. You do something spectacular and it's crickets in the arena. Like right. <laughs> you know, it's like how do we get these people excited about the game of basketball? Um, but Vince Carter came along and then, you know, that that changed. I mean the excitement that he brought, we started changing uh, the mindsets and the, the outlook on how, you know, these hockey fans view basketball. And, you know, we became a sensation around uh, Toronto. Yeah, looking at that, that transformation from the crowd and us coming there, it used to be like, all right, we know we can go into Toronto and get an easy win because, you know, we were a vet team. To where it came into, man, when you go into Toronto, you got to play now. You know what I mean? It just it changed. Now, who was a vet? I always ask the young guys this. Who was a vet on the team that kind of took you under his wing that really tried to help you navigate through everything that you had going on? Um, fortunately for me, I had a bunch of vets. You know, my second year in the league, you got Charles Oakley, you got Kevin Willis, Antonio Davis. Oh, yeah. You got D. Brown. You got yep. Muggsy Bowles. You got Dale Curry. Wow. I had, I had I forgot you played with all of them. Wow. Yeah, I had all of them. And then it was, you know, me and Vince being a young fella. So we felt like a little brother, like we could go up against anybody, like run up to, you know, to, to our opponents, punch them in the back and run behind our big brother's back. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had I had old Kevin Willis and Antonio Davis, bro. Ain't nobody messing with Oak. And he protected us like that. So that, that was a blessing in itself, man, that just to have those guys for my second year and just watch how they, be, you know, become, uh, you know, really their preparation every day is just be professionals. Yeah. Now, getting into the league now, you're seeing some of the guys that you looked up to when you played. 
when did it turn for you with your skill, your length, your athleticism, your your IQ, which you don't get enough credit for. Your IQ is high. You knew the game. When did that really kick in and when you go, okay, I'm starting to see me now, like getting back to seeing me? When, when, did, it, when did it happen for you? Yeah, so, you know, as players, man, I think any gifted player, any player, you want that liberation out on the basketball court. You know, so you ain't got to look over your shoulder, right? If you make a mistake, you're just able to just be free and, and play your game on whatever – you work on in the offseason, hopefully that is conducive to what a coach allows you to – how a coach allows you to play in the regular season of, of, of the NBA season. I was able to do that with Butch Carter my third year. My third year, although I came off the bench, I was free to play the way I play. He put the ball in my hands. I was able to make mistakes without looking over my shoulder. I was able to shoot freely and just really just relax and play my game. So my third year, that's when it took a turn. The game slowed down for me, and I just seen everything. I knew how to create space and get my shots off. Defensively, I was locked in. It was just – and then when I got to the opportunity to go to Orlando and Grant Hill wasn't healthy, they gave me the keys. Now I went to a whole other level because I had, you know, more on my shoulders to uh, to burden. But it was, it was the third year, man, when I really took that turn and really understood that, okay, I got this. What would you say to guys that are in the league right now that might be baby T-Max or baby me's that are haven't gotten their chance yet because they're in a situation where the coach is not allowing them to be themselves? What do you tell them about the unseen hours off the court, what they need to do in the gym, uh, mentally what, they, what you think they need to do to help them get through it until things change? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like so, yeah, so that, that goes if – if something is not working for you, whatever your routine is, you got to tweak and change something, right? So if you're not, you could be in, a, in the gym working hours and hours, but if you're not studying in the film room, watching film, watching your opponents, going to get your coaches, right, and and, and bringing them and, and watching film with them, having them be on the, the court to teach you things, right, and then that translate into a practice, they're going to notice that. They're going to notice, right, and, and, and they're going to take a – um, really take heed to the hard work that you're putting in and start giving you a little bit more and a little bit more. And then it's on you to take off and, and, and you know, really elevate your game. So I think you have to do all that necessary things, cut out the party and trying to hang with your boys that's making $40 million right now. That's not you. You know what I'm saying? You got, you got to sacrifice. You ain't there yet. You know, stay your ass inside, study, <laughs> <laughs> you know, put extra hours in. Got to switch it up if it ain't working for you. So talking about that, I do agree because back in the day we used to say, hey, man, stay your ass in. Don't go out every time the vets go out because the vets are going out. They're already solidified. You're not. They like you, so they want you to go out. Sometimes you just got to tell them, hey, man, look, I can't go. And if they can't respect that, why you can't go, hey, I need to study. I need to get better. Then you just got to say, hey, I got to do what I got to do. Eventually when your play starts to get better, they'll respect that. They will respect that. But in today's game, they got social media, so they, they, they don't have to go out. They can be on social media all day and not in the gym. What do you say about the social media guys right now? You know what I mean? Because they're all over social media and not in the gym, and they're still crying about not getting the minutes. To me, social media makes it easier for you. You don't have to go out now, if right. you know what I mean. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just a quick, you know, tap, tap, and <laughs> you really get whatever you want. So – you, don't, you really don't have any excuses for not to get better. And, and, and you have all the time in the world 
to be studying and being in the gym to improve your skill set, your mind. Like, if social media is a problem for you, get off social media, bro. Get off. It's just that simple, right? You there's priorities, man. You if you if you have certain things that you want to accomplish, and you got things that are disturbing you or blocking that. You gotta eliminate out. You gotta eliminate out your eliminate out that out your game. Yeah, yeah. That's that's has been a problem for a lot of guys, man. That are that are right there on the cusp. They gotta be able to because you can go to the gym with your phone and be on social media and still get the work in. You can't go to the club and still be in the gym. So just understand that. <laughs> that was one thing, you know, when I was younger, man. That was one thing that I was I was about my craft. You know what I mean? And I hung out when. It was when the opportunity presented itself, right? I was I stayed in the gym, and you know, you hear some people talk about me how I was lazy. You ain't see the work that I put in, bro. You can't accomplish what I accomplished being lazy. You know what I mean? You just you just can't do it because if you could tell me somebody can become a seven time All NBA, two time first first team All NBA, being lazy, I want to meet that dude. Right. He a, he's a badass dude, bro. Like yeah. you, you, you can't tell me with some of the with a Kobe Bryant, uh Allen Iverson, a Paul Pierce, a Ray Allen, a um Vince Carter, these dudes, I I'm I'm better than them being lazy. Like, what did that say? What is that saying about them? So right. it's it's crazy how people will come up with these assumptions and 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 think they know a player. Just because you ain't see me work out don't mean I wasn't putting in that work. I was working out six o'clock in the morning, grinding. Why my guys are out, you know, partying to five, six o'clock in the morning. My ass is on that track getting it in. Yeah, but they don't understand the smoothness of your game and that you don't have to exert yourself like other people, but you still get the job done. You were arguably one of the best defensive guards in the league, I just watched how you played defense. You didn't give up anything easy. You ain't getting beat off the dribble. You contesting everything. You blocking shots. You weak side block. So for me, it's not just because you're on here. It's just what they try to say. Like you said, you can't accomplish all that and then be what you were in the league. That's just, that's just trash, which leads me to the next thing. You led the league in scoring. Talk about the mindset. If I'm lazy, talk about the mindset of leading the league in scoring that you have to have. Let's just talk about that, by leading the league in scoring. Yeah, so that, again, it goes back to that preparation, man, you know, and putting that work in and, and sacrificing, cutting out really things that will stop me from being reaching greatness. And for me, it was waking up 5 o'clock in the morning, going to the track, getting that work in at the track, coming back home, getting some breakfast, laying down for a couple hours, getting back up, going to the weight room, mm -hmm. right, getting stronger in the weight room. Coming back home, relaxing, getting something to eat, going to the gym later on that night. Like that was my that was my off season. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm working hard like that consistently, I know my mind is changing, my body is changing, my confidence is changing. The game is gonna be easy for me. So yeah. once I realize, okay, I know how to create space, I know nobody can jump with me, um, can affect me on my shot. I know how to really get a shot off in three dribbles. I don't have to sit here and, and play with the ball to get shots off. Mm -hmm. The game is really easy to me now because I'm seeing everything. Everything is slowed down. I just know my spots. And when I had that type of confidence, 
there was no stopping me, bro. And then when I got this consistently, you were at my mercy. It was nothing you, you could do. So I was confident, you know, every single night, no matter who was in front of me, you were going to get it. All right, let's take a break and talk about our good friends at Ladder. With so much focus on financial literacy and our futures and all the rising costs of living, it's so important to plan for the future. On that note, it makes sense why people get life insurance, especially term coverage, which surprisingly is affordable. Why not pay a bit each month to protect the ones you love? If you're asking yourself this question, then choose Ladder. Ladder is 100% digital. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for a $3 million coverage or less, just answer a few questions about your health in an application. You just need a few minutes and a phone or laptop to apply. Ladder smart algorithms work in real time, so you'll find out if you're instantly approved. No hidden fees. You can cancel at any time, and you get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. Ladder policies are issued by insurers with long, proven histories of paying claims. They're A and A-plus rated by AM Best. Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot, and they've made Forbes' Best Life Insurance 2021 list. Finally, since life insurance costs more as you age, now's the time to cross it off your list. So go to ladderlife.com penny today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash penny p-e-n-n-y ladderlife.com slash penny and let's also talk about our good friends at mac weldon you know it's heating up outside and when it comes to stylish essentials perfect for the hotter days ahead there's no better option than mac weldon from hanging out at home to that much needed vacation the conference room to the happy hour they've got you covered their innovative daily wear system takes the guesswork out of getting dressed even for the most indecisive of guys. And we know in the summertime, you can be at a barbecue to it during the day and it turns into an after party at night and it fits for any occasion. You're comfortable, stylish, you look good, and you feel good. That's Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon's premium polos easily elevate your plans with fabric technology they built in to keep you comfortable as the temperature rises. Their lightweight silver piquet polo and new super soft Pima t-shirt polo are great for the summer wearing them every day if you're on a golf course or even at work the maverick tech chino short and radius flex short are the best on the list two of the other must have for the season and by the season i mean beach season or pool season or whatever body of water you prefer check out their board shorts and swim trunks a combo of performance stretch and a slick design they're great for gear when you're taking time off check out mac weldon yourself and save 20% on your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com slash Penny and enter the promo code Penny. Again, that's MacWeldon.com slash Penny and enter the promo code Penny for 20% off. Stock up on warm weather essentials you've been missing. Now is the time. Yeah, no doubt. That's the mentality I had before all the injuries started happening. It's just you get to a, you get to a level mentally because you're in the gym so much that you push through everything, you know where you are, and when you get in the game, it's like, dude, you have no chance. Yeah. <laughs> You're a ticking time bomb, basically like, man, I can't wait till this game starts. And, and then you stayed aggressive the entire game. I didn't see you take plays off, so I don't know what the laziness was because you are always in attack mode. Most guys, they kind of chill for a minute, then they get it going for a stretch, then they chill for a minute. You were just constantly just, because it's always something to prove. It seems like you play with that chip like, 
from day one, y'all disrespected me as players, maybe because I wasn't, I didn't have the coach that was going to allow me to play. But once I got my rhythm, I'm going to prove to every single person, every single night, why I am that dude. Yeah, that's what went into my, my workouts. When I fell in love with the process of, you know, working on the offseason, when I fell in love with that, that's when I knew my mindset changed. That's when I knew my game changed and it was going to take me to a whole nother level because I started seeing the improvements. It was frustrating at the time because I was so young, you know, and I was living off of just pure athleticism. Like, man, work? What? What, what, what I got to work for? I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But then when I started consistently putting in, I didn't see it right away. But then when I saw it, I wanted it more. I wanted more, 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 and, more and I, bro, I couldn't get enough of it. I, like I fell in love with the the process of of working out and training in the off season because I knew when I came into the season that was going to be easy. It was going to be easy. And that's what I'm trying to tell you know my guys now because I did the same thing at a very early age because I grew up in a in a basketball neighborhood that was rich with guys that a lot of the guys in my neighborhood went D one. A lot of the guys won state championships. So every time you play, you were in a tough game. And it's like eight, nine uh, teams playing. If you lose, you got to wait two and a half hours. If you're going to yeah. play, four hours, <laughs> yes. depending on how, much, how physical the next game is going to be. So you have to work, grind, work, grind. So yeah. in today's game, who do you see that's out there now that you love their game and how they get into that attack mode? Maybe not like how we were, but they do get in the attack mode. And be like, all right, I see where he at. I see where you at mentally. You you getting after it. Not to just, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the obvious for me, like, I love KD. K, yeah. K, KD is a bad boy, man. You know, 6'10", 6'11", 7 foot, however tall he is. I don't know. He's long as shit. But <laughs> that effortless scoring is just – I, I, I see me in him a little bit. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then you got some of the young guys, uh, Devin Booker, Jalen Brown. I love him because he's – a dog you know what I mean and I think he gets overlooked because of Jason Tatum's talent but Jalen Brown man he he both ends of the court that dude he has it he has it so those guys all right um what about the scoring from the guys in your era versus the guys in this era what do you see different obviously the threes we know that but the, your scores in your area, is that the difference, the threes? Yeah, that's that's the difference. Because if, if you even look at me, I probably average five or six threes a game, right? When I, and, and that's me averaging 32 points. I didn't shoot that many threes. You know, nowadays, guys averaging like Steph and James Hart, like these guys are shooting 10 plus threes a game. Yeah. I, I couldn't even – if I if I averaged ten plus threes and I shot eight to ten free throws a game, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm thirty seven, almost forty out there, man, a night for real. Uh, but yeah, that that that's the difference. And I try to tell, you know, Jalen was at the house the other day, and I, I try to tell him, don't conform to how the league has changed with guys just shooting a barrage of threes. If you look right. at KD, if you look at Kawhi, look at Paul. Uh, Chris Paul, these guys are mid-range, man. They're, they they haven't conformed to just sitting out there jacking threes. They're sticking with their mid-range game. And all – KD and, and uh, uh, Kawhi have won championships playing that way. Chris Paul played, you know, in the finals, got close again, playing his style of basketball with that mid-range. To me, the mid-range is 
really where y'all need to be. And even Steph shoots mid-range jumpers. I just I, – I couldn't really rationale why, you know, like James Harden, when he had the great team here in Houston all those years, just settling for threes. And, and you know, they had an opportunity to make it to the finals, and they missed 27 consecutive threes. Like, at some point, you're going to have to switch it up, take some mid-range, get to the basket. But, yeah, man, it's – that that's the difference in me. I, I, our guys, me, Paul, Vince, it was all mid-range, getting to the basket, just three-level scoring. Yeah, I know the, the younger guys right now in this era would laugh at that, but at the end of the day, there are certain guys in the league that are stars that are just not going to conform to all that analytics says is good or bad. They're going to play their game to the highest level, and I'm not taking a bad shot. I'm not comfortable with taking a bad shot versus getting something that I know it's a higher percentage. And I'm not knocking the analytics guys, but you got some guys in the league, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, the guys that you name. Even KD will get in mid-post and work for mid-post. So, and Kyrie, a lot of mid-range. It's just like you can't take the mid-range out of the game, bro. It just is what it is to me. You can't take it totally out of the game. And if you're a high percentage guy shooting those, how do you take it away from him? You can't, man. It's too important, man. It's too important, especially with – Guys that are highly skilled like those guys, you know, you can't take that away because it's efficient basketball. Three-pointers is not efficient basketball unless you play Thompson and Steph Curry and Trey Young. Yeah, back in our day, the three-point shooters shot threes. Yeah, it's, it's 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 not it's not great basketball. I see, I see a lot during the regular season. I see a lot of bad basketball than I do great basketball. Yeah, yeah, and that's unfortunate. But you know, the young kids nowadays. I've been going to the games. Like if I go watch the warm up line, it's more threes shot than layups. You know, from the beginning, nobody's shooting layups. You might get five or six layups, and then all threes the rest of the warm. <laughs> when I used to go down. Um, to the Rockets facility, to their practices, right? This is when I was still, like, playing pickup ball. And I used to go down there and mess around with the guys. So after their practices, they'll do their little spot shooting, right? Mm -hmm. So I go down there and work out with them, get some shots up. I would try to move in and shoot mid-range. Them dudes tell them, no, nah, bro, they, they won't let allow us to shoot mid-range. I yeah. said, what? Yeah. They yeah. Was, I, I was blown away. That's when I realized – how serious it is with these teams. Yeah. They wouldn't allow these guys to shoot mid-range shots during their practices. I was blown away. Yeah, analytics now, with all these staffs, they probably have five, six analytics guys. The coaching staff is just managing minutes. Analytics are telling the management what the team needs to do offensively that's going to be the higher percentage shot, which is where it's at right now. If you want to be a coach in the NBA, you're going to have to comply with analytics. And I'm not opposed to that, but – uh, help me understand better why this shot is better than that shot, and then I want to grow as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's what it is. Yeah. I'm just glad I ain't playing in this era because there ain't no way I, I'm listening to that. Right. Well, yeah, I think a couple other guys are, are like, just choosing what – I mean, some, some teams aren't as crazy as other teams. Some teams are just yeah. adamant on that. But, yeah, so that's just where it is now, and we got to watch it and – Hopefully, guys will get back to mid-range mid at some point, especially with certain guys that can really shoot them. Now, talking about moving on from the NBA and that career, you got a ton of ventures going on. I know I, I see you talking about talking business, being about business, and being a part of a lot of different things. Right now, you have the OBL. 
The OBL is big. I've been watching it on uh, on social media and checking it out. Seeing the guys sitting in the chair with the with the money, you know, after they win. Um, what did that? What did the idea come from? So I have two sons, you know, 16, 13, and I've been trying to get my boys to sit down and watch a live NBA game for years. And they just have no interest. They have they don't have the attention span to do it. Um, and they, they, on their phones, they're always watching YouTube clips, right? Just all short form content. And then I seen they, they was bringing me these clips of guys playing pickup basketball and these guys travel around from different cities playing pickup basketball, but then exactly. two guys get into it. Right. Two two guys get into it and everybody just stopped playing and allow these guys to just go at it. So I'm like, mm-hmm. Man, okay. So then I thought, there's a lot of guys out here that are not in the NBA but still can play at a high level. And I, I think it would be um, – I, th- I think I could find a, a, a pool of talent to have them play one-on-one basketball to where it would be very entertaining. I just have to come up with what that structure looks like in terms of the rules – what the, the point system, what that looks like. And the inspiration as well came from how did I get to where I am today? Well, somebody came down to Central Florida. I don't know where he saw me play at, but he came down and he gave me an opportunity to go to the Adidas camp. I didn't know this man from Adam, right? So he gave me that opportunity. That opportunity changed my life. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to do for these guys is giving them opportunity, give them hope, you know, based off of somebody giving me that. I want to give that back to the game and to these hoopers out here. Man, I tell you, boy, we we had a great season, man. Found some really, really high level talented, talented guys. And uh, the championships is going to be spectacular with these 22 guys trying to win, you know, $250,000, but that's where the inspiration came from, man. I just know it's a lot of guys out there that really can hoop and, you know, have been told they're not good enough. A lot of doors shut on them, but I want to open those doors up for them and give them that opportunity, and here we are today. Yeah, and I'll salute to you about for that because you're giving the street ball guys, the rec ball guys, the guys, like you said, that had doors shut in their face that could be in the league right now easily. Just because they're not don't mean that they're not supposed to be. We got some guys that come from my neighborhood, bro, that it give them NBA dudes a run for their money in the game of one-on-one. You know that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. We got those guys here too. Right. <laughs> you know, so they be itching to get into like some of these pro-ams with the Grizzlies, hoping that the Grizzlies players come out and they be like, oh, okay. Yeah, looking for, hey, looking for dudes like that, right? I'm looking at my man Frank Nitty out in L.A., right, with the Drew League. He started cooking people, no-name dude, right? Started cooking people. They put him in, in uh, the big three. They did all of that because – like this dude is talented. That doesn't mean that he's not supposed to be in the league or they're not supposed to be in the league. It's just opportunity, man. That's all that is. Man, it's just opportunity, bro. That's that's all it is, and that's what I'm providing for these dudes. Talk about one on one. I think one v one. They're talking about let's play a one v one. I used to always say let's play one on one. One v one. Why is it so important to the game of basketball that we don't let that die? Well, for me, I think it's it's really the 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 pure essence, true essence of basketball. We all started playing one-on-one at a very young age. That's the first thing you did when you was younger, right? One-on-one basketball. 
Yeah. Whether it's with your brother in the in the room having that clothes hanger up hanging up on, balling up a sock, yeah. dunking, you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. the milk crate on the tree outside. Like we all did this one-on-one basketball. But more importantly, I think what one-on-one does for you individually, and I always say this, if you if you take uh any any player and he's training for an hour and a half, two hours with his trainer. Right. And then he goes and play five on five basketball. Well, when he goes and play five on five, he's put into a role. So whatever that whatever, he, the, the, you know, he's training might not be conducive to whatever that role is. Coach might put him in the corner, man. He's been doing all this skill work and he just coach going and put him in the corner. So his development might be a little slower. But if you take that same guy, the same training and he's playing one on one every day, his development is going to be like this. Is yes. going to excel quicker than him going to play five on five basketball, and what that does to him mentally, because now you got to try to figure out how to get your shot off against this guy that may be a tough defender, right? So it's it's constantly challenging you to get, you know, uh, to figure things out along the way, offensively and defensively. Playing five on five, you hide it. You could be hit. You get you could you could have things covered for you. So. That's my take on it, and that's why I feel it's so important. Well, a few things that one-on-one does for me, and I've always had this mindset, it, it, it allows you to figure out how to get things done in less dribbles. You know what I mean? To try to beat people in less dribbles. You know, because if you can beat a guy consistently and then you take that to five-on-five, if you're beating your man and making another man come, now I become decision-maker. I can't take you off the floor because nobody can guard you. You're going to beat that one guy every single time. So one versus one, if you're not doing that, then you really got to grow. If you start doing that, your confidence starts to grow. And when your confidence starts to grow, you live in the paint. And when you live in the paint, great things are going to happen for the team offensively. So I say the same thing. One versus one. Me and Sam Cassell, from 1993 to 95, 96-ish, in Houston, because I was staying in Houston, went to a high school every night and played one-on-one full court. Me and Sam Cassell. And we battle. It wasn't no let you shoot, let you score. If you know Sam, he ain't giving you nothing. Me and, me and Sammy, man, went to the high school. We work out with Luke in the morning. And then at night, we just say, hey, man, let's get each other better. And that's what we did. And I promise you, man, that's all I did growing up. That's why my game was so tight when I finally got into five-on-five because the one-on-one gave me so much confidence. I never looked at the dude in front of me. I was always looking at the dudes behind me because I knew I was beating him. In front of me was cooked already. Like you, you were no challenge. That's what I did, bro. When I when I got drafted to Toronto, me and Doug Christie, right? Doug was like the, a premier defender, and I knew that. I took it upon myself, bro. We're playing one on one every single day. I played that dude one on one after practice, and I started figuring him out, bro. And that made me so sharp on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it wasn't the guy that was in front of me that I was worried about. It was the guys that behind him because he stands – he don't even stand a chance. No. Whoever's in front of me don't even stand a chance because <laughs> my confidence is so supreme that I've been working on this for years. For years I've figured this out. Yeah, no doubt about it. Just to end it, just anything you have to say to – the younger generation that's hadn't had the chance to get to the level that they want, that they're grinding, that they're fighting, they're they're getting in the gym, maybe not 
you know, getting it in, getting it in, but expecting it to happen. What is your What are your words for those guys, like the the top tier guys? You you gotta just stay grinding, man. Right. And the the one thing that I always tell these guys, and, and for me, I will never lose faith in my ability because I trust the work that I'm gonna put in. Right. I'm gonna put in the work. So if you constantly are putting in the work. You don't know when that time is going to come for you. Right. We don't know. I was working my tail off. I didn't know when I was going to, you know, excel, it, it, it be that guy that just takes off. I didn't, I didn't know when that time was going to come. But you got to be ready for it. Yeah, no doubt. You got to be ready, ready for it. So that you just got to put in the work, man, and have the mindset that, you know, every time you step on that basketball court, you dare to get better. And nobody is better than you. When you have that type of mindset and when you're working on you constantly every day. And what you're striving for, and don't allow anything to get in that way, you're gonna be all right. Why the work is so important, and don't run away from the work. Don't run away from the challenges. You just don't know when that opportunity is going to present itself. You got to make sure you're ready. Yeah, you got to embrace hard, man, because everything, nothing's ever going to be easy, man. You know that. Everything's always going to be easy. I don't want, hard, I don't want it to be easy. I don't want it to be easy because I want to be, I want to be pushing this brick wall, just constantly pushing because I want to see what's on the other side of that. No doubt. I want to see what's on the other side of it. Yeah, and the only way to see that is through hard work. So, again, Matt. Thank you so much, bro. You know, I love you and appreciate you and everything that you've done in your career to be an inspiration, not only to me as a fan, but to the other guys that love your game. Everywhere that I go, they're talking to me about you. They're talking to me about me as far as our games correlating to how, how you just, you really affected the game in a positive way. So, man, kudos, great job. We, we all gain our inspiration from somewhere, man, and I got mine through you, man. So I'm always, always grateful for our friendship, brother. You know, I appreciate it, man. And good luck with everything. If you need me for anything, my brother, just hit me up. Appreciate you, man. Love. Yeah, all love. Thanks again for uh, checking out my Two Cents podcast. Peace.